Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Strange case. No sign of violence, yet she looks completely contorted in fear. Almost as if she'd been frightened to death. As if she'd seen something too horrible to live through. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. It was a mistake! She sent me here to destroy it! If your mother did achieve this miracle, do you honestly believe she'd want it destroyed? Yourself a scientist, a brilliant scientist. Turn the goddamn power on. It's part of your heart, part of your mind, part of your soul. He's part of your imagination. The kindred. We are not all the same creature under the skin. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 223, 1987's The Kindred. Now, I was watching this with a lady friend here, and uh, as the credits rolled, uh, we noticed independently, geez, six writers and two directors. Uh, <laughs> what does that portend? <laughs> Is that either good or bad? Well, well, mostly to the bad, but this was strangely strangely quirky and oddly enjoyable mm-hmm. uh yeah the kindred i recall for its like creature in a bottle uh poster and i rented it as a kid based solely on the fact that i just love creature features so i thought this would be one to revisit uh, it's sort of off the beaten path i think it's it was released on blu-ray i think 2017 why i don't know who was clamoring for this but <laughs> to be honest with you right now i mean i gotta say like in many ways we're living in the best of times and the worst of times when it comes to physical media who are you dickens all of a sudden <laughs> i'm throwing a little bit yeah yeah if you, could throw the in the, if you could throw in if you could throw in the lady friend i always yeah. feel like you wanted to you know slide that in there like oh, wow. you know but i'm just kidding uh mm. no i'm gonna slow i'm gonna slide in a little highbrow literary reference oh no we're in the best of times and the worst of times and the reason why it's the worst of times is because sales of physical media have never been lower uh everybody's converting to vod and digital and so on people aren't going out there clamoring to buy blu-rays uh you know they're even you know, trying to sell people on a new format ultra high def etc it's difficult if you if you go to best buy now and go to their blu-ray section it's sad mm-hmm. it is so sad what used to um encompass aisles and aisles and aisles is now like basically two aisles and i remember going to those aisles and and bemoaning the fact that the horror section was so small it was just this little tiny you know shelf amongst five or six different aisles and now it's like you instead of getting a whole shelf you're gonna get a row 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, so many other repositories of physical media, such as um, HMV has gone bankrupt, and um, of course, our beloved Suspect Video, I mean, they also sold as well. They still live on online, and you can go to suspectvideo.com and order all your, uh, all your wild and wacky uh, genre films, but... The reason why I say it's the best of times is because for genre fans, it's it's crazy. Like you say, why would this get a physical release? Well, because the people that really want physical are the fans of genre films. Yeah, films. and we can't count on the likes of giant mega conglomerates like Google and YouTube to be custodians of art. I mean, by by some miracle someone uploaded this to YouTube where I watched it this time. I know we shouldn't say that, but this was that was the case. And who knows whether this will just be lost to the dustbins of time without mm. the enterprising folks at Synapse and all these people that ever diminishing no, like, I the mean, sector. The, rea- the reality is between companies like Synapse, companies like Shell Factory, companies like Arrow, companies like Kino Lorber, etc., they're putting out these really, really obscure genre films and they're selling it to a niche market, but it's a rabid market. It's a market that actually wants to buy physical media. So if you're looking for some obscure film, um, from, you know, a creature feature from the '50s uh, straight on to you know the present, you're it's coming out, mm-hmm. you know, and so when you said, well, I mean, why? Who's climbing for this? I guarantee you that there's a lot of fans of this film. I found it to be a breezily enjoyable film. It wasn't the Me best. Me too. Film. Yeah, it, it brought back a lot of memories, and uh, I even you know briefly contemplated actually making the purchase myself. Although I think I'm going to save it for real stalwarts like demons and the ones that real indelible reanimator all time classic type things. But this was yeah a breezy and well, a it? level of weird. I would do dare I call it erudition that I didn't expect. <laughs> that might be being a little too generous, but it, it was smart. Yes, kind of dumb. Uh, it was infused with boatloads of backstory that it really maybe didn't need, but kudos for giving it to us. Well, and before we get into the discussion film proper, it's funny you mentioned demons. That is maybe sort of like the bane of what's going on right now in terms of physical media. When these companies do release these uh, obscure films, they release them in limited edition print runs, Uh usually like a 1,000, right? When Synapse released Demons on uh, Pristine Blu-ray, I would say, God, man, when we first started the podcast, which was, what, three years ago? three years ago, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think it was, like, limited to about 1,000 copies, maybe 2,000, what have you. That's what's happening. So if you, you got to snap it up the, the day it comes out. If you don't, or you're paying 120 bucks on you're eBay, going on or, eBay yeah. or you're going on Amazon and buying from a, you know, a third party seller, what mm-hmm. have you. So if a movie comes out on Blu-ray that you really, really want, get it right away because they're coming out in limited quantities, one print run, that's it. And then it's, it's up to the secondary market. Jeez. So, Chris, you mentioned some sort of, uh, what was the word you used? Your edition? Air edition. Extra edition? <laughs> Extra edition. <laughs> yeah, uh, strangely smart and savvy, but it, maybe maybe that speaks to the genre. It's hard to make like a dumb mad scientist movie. You almost have to dot your I's and cross your T's to some extent, right? Like you have to you have to bolster your claims with something. So this is, you know, your standard modern Prometheus Frankenstein guy dithering around in a lab. Well, there's also his partner, so a woman who's also dithering in said lab. So these two are scientists who are splicing genes. And as is often the case, something crazy is created. Mm-hmm. And as is also often the case, one of them has some sort of sense of ethics and morality and propriety and probity, and the other one is evil, evil, and that and that other one is quite hilarious because who would have thought 
like Rod Steiger is the evil scientist as Dr. Lloyd and like Rod Steiger man he must be an Oscar winner in the heat of the night all this like he's a a legend and he's just like slumming it in this role I watched a movie the other day that he was in and uh, god I can't remember right now uh, geez. But yeah, Rod Steiger, definitely um, an, an actor of some esteem. Yeah. And, but I mean, that's what happened in the, the 70s and 80s, is that these actors that were really big in the prior decades, you know, roles start to dry up to, to a certain extent. I mean, Rod Steiger, as much as he's a respected actor, he's never, he was never a superstar. He it's was true. never a marquee name. So... Yeah, you end up starting, you know, seeing like, for example, Betty Davis and burnt offerings or that sort of thing, mm-hmm. or look at the film The Sentinel, all the all the actors that showed up in that, the um, actors of yore of yesteryear. So you know, here's the late '80s, and we got Rod Steiger in the, this one, and hey, I mean, he acquitted himself well. I oh, think he may he may be slumming, but yeah. <laughs> I, I I appreciate <laughs> if his we presence. could all slum so well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. But it, what's what's great about this is it's not really about them. I mean, it's. It's their, it's the outcome in the aftermath of their experiment that really sets the ball in motion. So, well, uh, you, you know. mentioned a, a female, and yeah. we never see. I, I, I think you're referring to Steiger's uh, character, Dr. Lloyd's partner, right? Yes, Dr. Hollis. I forget her ha- uh, first name. It might be Amanda, but uh, we'll have to dig through our notes here. It's something, Dr. Hollis. We'll call Was her. Was it Hollis or Holland? Hollins. Mm. I don't know. It doesn't really doesn't matter <laughs> yeah i mean you we, we never see them actually working together there's yeah. there's an aftermath because what the protagonist of the film is is her son uh, and um john i believe yeah yeah the exactly her son john and he's also you know following his mother's footsteps he's a geneticist uh he works on recombinant DNA splicing what have you and you know ostensibly they're doing it for the better uh, betterment of humanity they want to come up with something that's supposed to take the human frailties and so on and create something that may withstand disease or what yeah, have you huh. but as is usually happens in these movies I mean you, you have two two sort of math scientist movies you're either going to have somebody who is completely off his rocker and he wants to go, he wants to create something evil that's going to take over the world right or you have people whose intentions may have been good but then what they end up creating turns out to be something with dire consequence and this is the uh, latter in that sense so i mean first of all when the film starts out i had not seen this one before mm-hmm. you you did see this before yes yeah, yeah i do recall seeing the uh, the box and the poster many a time and always being interested in it <laughs> you can't not be interested when you see a fetus looking monster in a jar <laughs> and but like I, I never jar. actually grabbed it off the shelf and plunked down my you know three four shekels to rent it uh so i was glad to to get it and when this film begins there's a we see a guy on the road and i thought he would be our protagonist uh but he experiences a bit of a vehicular mishap and he ends up crashing straight into a building made completely out of balsa wood because the thing falls <laughs> yeah. like a, like a house of cards you know and it I mean? looked like that before it was contacted exactly. by the vehicle yeah it was like so a, like, cheap like oh a, a semi-stiff wind would have knocked the thing over i almost wondered if that was a movie set and whether like whether i was missing something because it was so cheap but then i thought no it can't it just was indicative of how cheap it was that's it right what do you mean by movie set well i thought like he plowed through a movie set 
Oh, like yeah. A, some, well, I mean, it was like a Potemkin village. Okay, like it actual was meant to be a business or a house or whatnot. Well, it, it was so cheap. It was, it was built for the purpose of this movie. It was yeah. Very but then, what was hilarious after that is once he plows, he plows in this balsa wood building, which is which doesn't. Yeah, withstand the the force equals mass times acceleration. No, I, I mean, no, we're just, so highbrow today. It just sort of <laughs> oh my falls God. over, you know. Yeah. And then, as is often happens in these sort of films. See, I don't know. I mean, you talk to people about vehicles, right? And they're gonna say, "Oh, they 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 they're not built like they used to." You know, you buy you bought a car in 1970. You had a car that would run for a long time, <laughs> and yet in movies, <laughs> they didn't build them quite well back in the 70s and 80s because there was some sort of mechanism in these vehicles that caused complete explosion and immolation <laughs> on impact. Some mechanism, some fail, uh, failure, uh, some schism in the mechanism, so to speak, because. Once it hits, the whole thing just goes kablooey right into the air. <laughs> the building, the car, it's completely illogical how this thing could have just exploded, but it did. And the driver of the car is taken away from, from the vehicle by a clandestine figure. And again, I'm thinking he's going to be the protagonist. They're going to grab him, somebody who is near death. They're going to take his brain. They're going to put it in a Petri jar, a.k.a., you know, the... Uh, the brain that wouldn't die, yeah, or yeah, exactly, and, or something along those lines, and maybe splice him into the kindred. Well, as it turns out, the person that removed his body from the accident scene was working for Doctor um, uh, Doctor Lloyd. Doctor Lloyd, yeah, his job was to procure bodies, um, and so that uh, Lloyd could continue his experiment. But when Lloyd actually sees this particular, uh, not quite cadaver, because he's still alive, although his brain. Um, what was it? Body was dead, but his brain was alive. Something along those lines. Yeah, he just said like he's storm aside. Yeah, yeah he's, he's done for. He's pretty, much, he's pretty much done for. I can't, yeah. I, I can't use what's left of this guy. Huh. So then, after that Cracker Jack opening, the film sort of slows down a bit, and we find ourselves in one of these nefarious corporations. There's always these corporations, you know. And this was this reminded me very very Cronenberg, very Cronenbergian, you know. Like I'm thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I'm thinking about like for example. Um, this keloid from. Yeah, like that was uh, Rabbit, was it? Rabbit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking about that. So so this one is the Geneticell Corporation, and you know it's a legitimate enterprise. It's not some shadowy underground thing, <laughs> and they're you know there's legitimate doctors working there, and they're trying to figure out you know what they can do with their genetic. Uh, Muckety material so to speak yeah, yeah. To, to better society. So we have one uh, Dr. Holland, and that is Dr. John Holland, the son. And he receives, and as he's doing his experiments, he receives word that his mother uh, is uh, responsive. I assume she was in a coma of some sort. Yes, uh, she had. I believe it was either uh, probably a stroke, and uh, she was in. She just emerged from a rather lengthy coma. Uh, how many years it was? I don't know what, but and. Um, she is not long for this earth. It was my impression, or she was in a bad way. Let's put it that way. So you know, she needed her son at her bedside and needed stuff, pressing work to be done. Right. So she calls John to her uh, bedside, and he's as happy to see his mother, but she definitely has a request for him, a very pressing request, and that is that she wants everything burned. She <laughs> wants him to go up to her. What was it was his childhood home, cottage? Cottage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was his childhood home they hadn't been back to in a long time, and to find every piece of data, every journal, everything, and and not just that. Not only is he to burn the data, um, but he is to find his brother Anthony mm -hmm. and 
get rid of him, rub him out too. Of course, my mind is always thinking back to classic Simpsons, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, Brother Anthony, you know, what am I thinking? You know what I'm thinking. Armin Tanzarian? No, what, what are you thinking? Hugo. Hugo. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was from one of the Trios of Horrors. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, uh, the evil twin of Bart that was mm. uh, shackled oh, up of course, in the yeah. attic. Yeah, and, and through some sort of machina machination, I mean, the title obviously uh, tips, tips you off. Uh, a kindred, a uh, kin, obviously the, the shortened form of that is someone related to you. And we don't know who and or what, as the case may be, Anthony is. Anthony is revealed later to be this, you know, this, uh, I guess, a hybrid creature that resides in this lab. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you have this, the stage is set for two really separate movies. Evil scientist, good scientist. Uh, materials that need to be burned, this crazy grave robber who is doing the behest of this Dr. Lloyd played by Rod Steiger. And then this is where the second half of the movie really begins, and that's where you get a bunch of grad students going to the house but before to, we get there, to destroy I, the materials. Before we get to that part, um, it should be mentioned that John considers Dr. Lloyd to be a mentor. So, and he does not realize... Um, how, just how sinister Dr. Lloyd is and mm -hmm. what he's planning to do with his experiments. Uh, he somewhat continued on the mother's experiments but took it in a different direction. And the mother, of <laughs> course, kind of I mean, yeah. why well, she's saying burn it and so yeah. on is because she knows, you know, the folly of her ways, right? I mean, oftentimes when you, I mean, that Frankenstein said it all, you know, when you... It really did. When you meddle uh, in, you know, playing God, what have you, uh, oftentimes the result is, is quite... Uh, Sinister. sinister that's, that's such an amazing achievement. You... I was just thinking, just as a, a tangent, just aside, like first time novel. Well, how Mary Nineteen twenty years old. What was she? Twenty. Yeah, uh, it was. It was. 19, I think yeah. published anonymously because of the times. You couldn't publish. Uh, I think frequently women published under this uh, nom de plume of mm -hmm. men, and just like it's just so. And of course, you know the whole, the whole story. Like, like I mean, it was her and her husband, Lord Byron, and everything. Mm -hmm. Or was that was Lord Byron husband and Byron Shelley? It was some some romantic poet. I yeah, don't know and, if it was and, Lord Byron. And, uh, it was a tremendous achievement. The novel, uh, whether she was nineteen or fifty nine, it was a tremendous achievement, and. It's something that, of course, has informed so much of oh, horror. It's such fertile ground. Well, not like, just horror, but just everything. everything. You know, like <laughs> well, it's arguably the first science fiction novel yeah. as well. Like Jesus Christ. And when any time there's any sort of um, debate about the limits of medicine and science and where can you go? I remember the whole colonial debate with Dolly the Sheep and everything. Oh my, yeah. Or you know, they always they always talk. Oh, this is like this is Frankenstein. Or every time. Or, like, for example, Franken, you know, is kind of used now as a prefix to describe something. Franken foods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, genetically unnatural. modified so, tomatoes and whatnot, yeah. yeah. So huh. when you have these gigantic, you know, tomatoes that could feed a village, it's Franken Like food. Sleepers, the Woody Allen movie. <laughs> yeah, and, mm -hmm. or, or, yeah, a dystopian uh, future of, of cloned armies where you just create 50,000 trained killing machines mm -hmm. based on one superior warrior. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. All that leads back to Shelley. One of these days we're going to discuss... Frankenstein, the actual film on the podcast. I feel like I've talked about Frankenstein so much, but it wasn't yeah, we on owe it to ourselves, and it'd be great to revisit the novel as well. Uh, I, yeah. I haven't read it in, in years and years. I, I went It'd just uh, be fantastic. A couple of years ago, I went on the Tom Ernst podcast, mm -hmm. podcast, and I discussed my love for Frankenstein. I brought up Frankenstein. I talked Quick about. Quick plug: If this movie is about you, uh, Jeff can be heard talking about his love of Frankenstein, as or well is it as for. Love of or for? Uh, both. Oh, okay, I, good. I love of and my love <laughs> for. Right, yeah. I talked about both Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. 
and also The Pit and the Pendulum, because mm-hmm. I was basically talking about two films that really informed me as a, as a movie watcher, and The Brian Frankenstein and The Pit and the Pendulum were the two of those uh, that really, really informed me if, you know, if you had to describe me in two films, those were the two films that I chose. Anyway, uh, getting back to the movie. So, being a colleague of Dr. Lloyd, but not knowing, you know, how evil this guy's become, he, uh, Dr. Holland, John, the young, the son, he goes and informs uh, Dr. Lloyd that his mother is dying and that he's been requested to go and destroy this <laughs> yeah. uh, data and stuff. And, and Lloyd's a little bit, um, he's taken aback. She still continued on all these years? Hmm, what could that be? And he's like, okay, well, I gotta get my hands on this stuff. And he then pays the mother a visit and you mentioned she wasn't long for this earth well if she was to perish from natural causes dr lloyd made sure that she would perish well before that because mm-hmm. he takes her out and then we move on to the second part yeah of the, and the, the the act two <laughs> very shakespearean is like for some reason I'm, I'm not sure you're gonna have to fill me in why it was that a team of grad students descended on this lab i guess some of them were acolytes of the aforementioned Frankly, yeah. they just went up as friends to help him. Uh, oh, it was like, house, like yeah. you know, a friend helps you move, a good friend helps you move a body. Uh, yeah, I guess just one of them is a Brit, and they're played by Amanda Pays, Amanda Pays uh, yep. Melissa, I mm-hmm. believe her name is, and she is a real acolyte of the late, as it turns out now, Miss Doctor Hollands, mm. and she's eager to, right. you know, uh, just you know. Uh, absorb everything that the the late uh, researcher had to offer and like dig through the notes and she's, mm-hmm. she's keen to go up there so although that, that's a wonderful like her mm-hmm. character is a really interesting one and we don't want to say too much because we don't want to um but you know I, I well, well she skirt. informs a lot of the ridiculous okay, <laughs> like, so uh, we'll end up saying romantic so. subplotting which is very bizarre okay <laughs> but right because he has a girlfriend John. he has a wife yeah in fact I, th- I think it was a wife I thought it was a either way I like uh, there there's clear sexual mm. tension that all of them are yeah. abreast of so Amanda Pace is at the funeral and John goes up to her because uh, he had never seen her before Melissa mm-hmm. and she was a disciple of the elder uh, Dr. Holland, uh, I guess they communicated over, you know, uh, through letters, what have yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. And although they had never met, she was her inspiration in terms of the work that she was doing. So then she decides to stay. And so she's really the only one up there with a vested interest in furthering this stuff and not having it destroyed. Exactly. Uh, the Whereas destroyed. the other ones, despite the fact they're all grad students and PhD candidates or what have you, <laughs> they're just there to help out his buddy and clean up so, the stuff. So, yeah, hilarious. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, well, we know what happens there. We get a, a slight taste of it where I guess one of the, um, well, I guess one of the grave robbers is... is is a confined to uh, the evil Dr. Lloyd's lab and, love and it, feasted love it. on by, by these demon that, type that zombie was, creatures. That was hilarious. Wonderful. That, yeah. Again, that was a, almost uh, shades again of the Braden and Wooden Die, you know, having this, oh, this wow. room, which is like the repository. I was going to say Day of the Dead or something. Well, no, I mean, that, but see, it's like when you have a mad scientist, it's like the room for, uh, which is a repository for all of your fuck ups. Yeah. You know, just like <laughs> in the Brain That Wouldn't Die, which. I love, I think, where there's that monster in the closet, right, who was who kept on, you know, banging the door and everything. <laughs> Here, you have this, one of these grave robbers, and like an idiot, you know, you don't go to a mad scientist demanding more money. You yeah, just exactly. Don't. Why? 
because they're mad, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and he only uh, he requested a, 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 well, the, what was it, the princely sum of an extra $100? And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was a paramedic as well. So, I mean, my God, the risk he's incurring to secure, mm. uh, procure cadavers for this guy. And all he wanted was his his just rewards he wanted his 40 acres and a mule he wanted an extra hundred dollars and but, but no a mad scientist talk about yeah. naive and gullible i mean <laughs> you know because you know here's rod steiger as sinister as he can be he says oh sure i'll give you your money just follow me come downstairs <laughs> dun, dun, dun. come into my lab and yeah. then oh i look come into this this room where there's a i just have to enter you know thirty thousand codes open the door pulls <laughs> pushes him in there locks you know him you're in, not coming out yeah. and yeah he's stuck in there with all these mutated freaks and yeah, great stuff you know i love that like i mean i just have such a thing about mutations i love mutations in every form so when all you know you first see this arm and it's covered in pustules and mm-hmm. sores and everything and then you know there's one mutation after another and they're descending upon this idiot you know <laughs> i loved it and in many ways i mean i think i've mentioned this before uh you know our one of our mutual favorite critics, Roger Ebert, who some say you know was not a friend to horror, but in other ways he was. It really depended on the film. We can't make a blanket statement and say that he dismissed all horror because there were certain horror films that he championed that other other critics would dismiss out of hand. But he, he coined the term geek show, right? And you know, for example, the thing—it's a geek show in the sense that you're just seeing these crazy mutated creatures or these ridiculous transformations or you know human bodies being violated and transformed and I don't know what for some reason the movie The Beast Within is coming into my head right now because that was one of the craziest transformations I've ever seen on celluloid mm-hmm. uh, you owe it to yourself to see it if you haven't seen it but in a lot of ways this is a bit of a geek show because when this um, when they get up there to the cottage and they start poking around they start exploring and Anthony and when I think Anthony, I'm almost thinking, I'm also thinking like Belial, you know, from Basket Case. Like, there's a lot of little things that I really picked up on that I like mm-hmm. from other movies. He starts making his presence known by slowly attacking and picking off these people yeah, yeah. one by one. And some of it is quite glorious. I oh, yeah, say. I'd say one of, one of the pivotal scenes is the creature uh, trying to emerge from its... Uh, confines in some kind of jar and Melissa is struggling to keep the lid on the creature and there's just a great scene and she presses down on it and then severs the limb almost like a frog like some sort of amphibian and it, it was just great so once these creatures emerge I mean I don't know how much we're gonna we want to spoil it but they're also pretty fantastic and I gotta say directors Jeff Obro and Stephen Carpenter did what they could uh, they splurged on the effects budget, if not for that aforementioned ridiculous vehicular, you know, mishap at the beginning. They went all out, and there are some really quite fantastic tentacle uh, attacks. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really badass. Well, yeah, I there were certain. I mean, there's a there's one character that is invaded by this creature, this kindred, this tentacle monster, what have you, Anthony. Uh, and when this character, and I'm using the pronoun because I don't want to spoil it, starts to transform into something monstrous, it's a thing of absolute beauty. Yeah, it's a little agreed. cheesy, but it's it's awful yet incredible. And there's a few of those scenes. Well, it's it's perfect. I mean, it's it's body horror from the inside out. The pièce de résistance. So what did we learn from the kindred? Uh, I can start here. Uh, if you want to play a kindred drinking game. Mm-hmm. 
hemocyanin uh, you would take a swig every time you hear that protein like yeah it's it's like hemoglobin which uh, you know carries uh, transports uh, oxygen in the bloodstream they kept mentioning this and what i found hilarious and this is a low budget movie was different characters pronounced hemocyanin in different ways it didn't really have the uh, line producer uh, you know hard at work to try and get this in check but i thought that was just great they kept going on about the hemocyanin and that is apparently like the equivalent of hemoglobin but for invertebrates so when one of them is attacked they're trying to figure out what attacked them what it, and one of them says I th it was a dog but clearly is some sort of oct octopus type creature that this mm -hmm. Anthony is so yeah fantastic like hemocyanin 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 what did you learn uh, a few things. First of all, uh, is this what I learned or is this more towards my star rating? But I feel like the film is worth watching primarily just for the effects alone. They were, again, brilliant. Yeah, really um, really well done. I, I recall seeing the makeup artists and the special effects artists on the credits. I did not recognize them in terms of other features they've done, but kudos to them. They did really well. Uh, this film had one of the best um, uses of a watermelon I've ever seen outside of, let's say, a Gallagher performance. Uh, that watermelon was ginormous. Yeah, Have you ever was. seen a watermelon that big? Well, maybe it was uh, genetically modified. Who knows, given well, the circumstances. That one, was my, uh, unbelievable. One of the... Um, it's funny, because he invites these friends to come help him out, and he even invites much to his, uh, I thought, girlfriend, you say wife, uh, Sharon's chagrin... He invites Melissa to stay for dinner, and yet there's no food in the house. And one of the characters, I think it was uh, the, the uh, I can't remember. Oh, one of the interchangeable yeah. like, buddies. He, he's bemoaning the fact that there's, like, what are we going to eat for dinner? Like, you're going to invite someone over for dinner, and yet <laughs> you have no food? And, but one of, the, one of the characters saw fit to bring some fruit with her. Now, she brought a watermelon, which was earmarked for her parents. And then she also brought cantaloupes. Well, that could have fed a small village, I think. Yeah. And so the, the watermelon is placed down and the cantaloupes are placed down. I didn't even see the cantaloupes. I just saw the watermelon. I couldn't take my eyes off that watermelon. Yeah, yeah. And the watermelon is ultimately invaded by Anthony. Yeah. And But that thing was enormous. But it also, because uh, when, uh, and I can't remember the character who, who grabbed it, but he was, it was Hart. That was his name, it was Hart. But when Hart grabs a giant watermelon, thinking this is going to be a sustenance for the evening, he's chastised by the the other one the, yeah. who brought the fruit and said, no, no I said you could the, have yeah. cantaloupes. So that line, <laughs> yeah. just taking out of context, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I said you could have the cantaloupes, not the watermelon. <laughs> That's for my parents. Well, I don't want to even eat that fucking thing because yeah. that thing looked too, you know. Well, it maybe, it was, this maybe it was uh, intentional, some, uh, some kind of uh, humorously gigantic... A piece of fruit as part of the mise en scene. Like, what what could possibly happen if you ge genetically modify different materials? I don't know, but that that was twice the size of any watermelon I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. uh, at one point, when they're sort of banging on the hatches and they're uh, trying to combat the uh, the creature, they sprinkle a substance which is pretty much like Ajax, a household substance, on mm. the tentacle, and it seems to dissolve uh, some of the flesh. So that's interesting. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, a uh, common household Ajax was. Uh, the, the Achilles heel of this creature. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I, I also got to add, there, there's several references to prions, which is the, the substance, the vector by which something like Creutzfeldt-Jakob's disease is transferred. So there's references to like hemocyanin and prions. So someone had some sort of science background to infuse the plot. So they, that, was, that was neat. End of Days. That was a film I watched a couple nights ago that mm. Rod Steiger was in. Uh -huh. have, you ever, have you ever seen that film? No. 
Schwarzenegger versus the Devil. Oh my! From the late '90s, not exactly the the greatest film in the world, but damn entertaining. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it. So yeah, oh Steiger was in there. Uh, Chewing the scenery as only he can. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was uh, there's a ton of stuff I wrote down. Let me just see if there's anything else I learned here. Uh, yeah, the watermelon, the cantaloupes. There was some line about shrimp. All of a sudden, it just started. It was like a non sequitur. It came out of nowhere. That's oh, oh, and the horror pedigree as well. Kim Hunter played the uh, the late uh, Doctor Hollins. Uh, she was in Planet of the Apes. So that's Kim Hunter. So like, mm-hmm. you know, cool. Uh, that was kind of interesting. Uh, I would. Unless you can think of anything else we've learned, I'm going to give this like three and a half star. Uh, just enjoyable, smart. Uh, they took a tiny budget. I didn't research this and made it like travel a long distance. So kudos on these guys. Who also I looked up. One of them did the dorm that dripped blood. Is their other credit not to be confused with the house that dripped blood, the Christopher mm-hmm. Lee vehicle? So it was like. Okay, like, yeah, and Cushing and whatnot, but this is like, I didn't know these guys from Adam, but they should be very proud of this movie. This is a big fan of Mr. Blood, I gotta tell you, I've seen it. Oh, okay, well, maybe this is just a one-off, but I thought this was super cool. Three and a half star for me, I can't believe I'm saying this. This this was better than I remembered it. Yeah, it was, well, it was better than I expected, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not going to be as generous as you, I'm going to give it three stars. Perfect. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it was entertaining it's you know i mean it's funny because again like this this genre this horror genre is so it's so fertile there's so many movies out there and it's good to know that after all these years of being this hardened horror fan who's seen everything quote you know quote unquote i haven't seen everything i mean there's so many other films that you know would be in the dusty corner of that video store you just never picked up but there it is waiting for you to one day just pull down and yeah, well, discover as, and that as is often the case when we're trying to decide movies I'll text you something and you'll say because your knowledge is much more broad you'll say oh I just saw that recently and it would have been something I hadn't seen mm-hmm. even though I've probably seen I don't even want to count thousands of horror films And but yeah every now and then I can get one past the goalie not, <laughs> that's maybe more of a pregnancy analogy yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Little, uh, <laughs> and get, get one by you and it'll be something you haven't seen so that it was pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool and yeah so yeah it's good to know that there's still lots and lots of movies that i can just continue you know discovering and rediscovering and so on so three stars for me excellent and check out our five star podcast new episodes every friday if you're listening enjoyment the really awful movies podcast send us your suggestions for any film we should chat about really awful movies at gmail.com and we'll talk to you soon take care Thank you.